As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hi, everyone. It's Jack Eskin-Taylor here. Just a quick message for everyone that listens to our podcast. We are now rebranding as the Vine Street Property Podcast, as mentioned over the past few weeks, and you will soon hear from our new business partner, Paul McGee. So we're actually purchasing a property in Merseyside that requires a full refurbishment. So that's me, Joe and Paul are all buying a property within our new company, Vine Street Investments. So we've actually raised 50% of the purchase price through private investors, and they will receive a fixed return of 10% over the next 12 months. If you're interested in hearing more about our investment opportunities, please drop me an email at jack at vinest.co.uk. Hope you have a wonderful day and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Jack and Joe Show. We talk about property, business and everything in between. Hosted by Jack Heskin-Taylor and Joe McCarthy. Sharing the stories of entrepreneurs, property investors and our journey to health, wealth and happiness. Welcome to another episode of the Jack and Joe Show with me, Jack Eskin-Taylor. Me, Joe McCarthy. Today we are here joined by Tony Fairs. How are you, Tony? Yeah, I'm good, lads. Thanks very much for inviting me on. Great to have you on. Really good to have you on. I think we had a chat a few weeks ago on the phone. Um, definitely a really interesting property professional that we'd like to, like to pick your brain and hear about your story, definitely. Yeah, of course. No problem. Do you want to hit it off, Joe? Yeah, so just want to tell us a little bit about your background and how you got involved in property. Uh, yeah, so I, I think for me, my background, what got me into property was going to the local auctions with my dad when right. I was younger. Um, he always had the dream to get into property and to do renovations and do some flips, but just kind of never done it. We always, as a family, moved from one house to the next as it was renovated. So I kind of just fell into it, so to speak. Um, I originally wanted to be an accountant, then I, I looked into that and thought, you know what it is, why don't I do property? Mm. You're just doing accountancy, but with actual buildings. So <laughs> yeah. I always had an interest in maths. And, you know, as a kid at school, I was always a bit of a wheeler dealer on the playgrounds <laughs> and things. So kind of now, now it all kind of, it seems like it's all fell into place. I found myself in the right place. 
Um, so background obviously kind of fell into it from watching family, but I went mm-hmm. out to university to study estate management. Um, yeah. With the aim of that was to be a chartered surveyor. I never actually wanted to be a chartered surveyor. I just wanted to get have the knowledge, and then the aim was always to open my own estate agency. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of done a bit of a tour of the agents, running a lot of the local auction houses um, for about five, six, seven years when right. I first graduated. Uh, and then one day got laid off. So I thought, let's remortgage the flat, move back in with my mom um, and open mm-hmm. the agency. Uh, and we're here, it's our seventh anniversary next week. So I must nice. have been doing something right. Brilliant. Yeah, definitely. Nice. That sounds good, yeah. When you, when you did that and you, and you got started with the agency, um, what was it like setting up? Did you do that and sort of get into pro- buying property at the same time? Or did you hold no, on to buying No, uh, I've, I've kind of done it the reverse way around. I've seen a lot of people like Laura Muse and things have got into property in their agency. They've ended up opening an agency off the back yeah. of building a portfolio. I ended up building a, a portfolio, managed properties through the agency and then got into buying myself. Yeah. Kind of probably done a little bit the wrong way around. I probably should have started buying a little bit earlier, but it's, you know, I was an estate agent rather than a businessman. And I think that's the part of my life I'd have to work on a lot. So I went into property purchasing myself. I formed two joint ventures last year. Um, we built a £1.5 million portfolio in that time across 22 properties. Um, we bought 17 properties in year one. Wow. Uh, and we've bought and completed on five this year. The aim was nice. to get from 22 properties up to 37 this year, but uh, the corona's going to cause a couple of issues yeah. possibly with yeah. that. Um, but I'm sure it's no different than what everybody else is facing in all fairness. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen a bit of activity kind of start back up now since the, kind of, um, the lockdown has kind of lifted a little bit for the property market? Uh, it's a bit of a strange thing. The housing minister said that he wasn't going to reopen the property market and then 48 hours later at 10 p.m. at night, the forums went mad on Facebook saying <laughs> housing minister announces estate agents can open, um, mm-hmm. which I thought was a bit strange. I'm not allowed to visit me mom, but haircut, <laughs> hence I've got the Wolverine look going on. <laughs> but I'm allowed to open me estate agents and allow one stranger to go into another stranger's house. I just thought it's madness. Um, some of my local agents in my area have actually reopened their doors. Um, well, we've done a poll of all of our landlords and our vendors, and the majority said, look, we're happy to do viewings, but only if our properties are empty. Um, mm. So we chose not to reopen the office. Um, the staff are still filled. We're still getting a lot of right move leads and things, and that's certainly increased since that announcement. But I just don't think it's right to open yet. You know, you can't even go to Costa. Well, you can just go to Costa now and pick a coffee up. So yeah, I don't yeah. think it was, uh, I don't think the timing was right. I still think we're a couple of weeks off full reopening of the offices but we're certainly having a lot more activity on the viewing side of things yeah. could you um think you give us a, some information on on the agency and, and and setting it up me me and joe are interested in potentially setting up an, an online estate agent um as we get more vendor leads in in fact we come across vendors that would be happy to put their property on the market um, just wanted to see if you could give us some sort of insight into some highs and lows and stuff that we should potentially be prepared for or maybe stuff we might not know. Yeah, of course. Well, the the big expense with any agency, you know, it's firstly your staff. And the second thing following that's always your right move account. Um, 
I think at the moment we're paying someone in the region of about £2,000 for our account there. Um, to put that in perspective, I think Zoopland on the market are around about £300 to £400 each. Mm, so yeah. you're talking £3,000 on portals alone for advertising. And that's before you start doing leaflet drops, get your boards of outside properties, pay your staff mm. to actually come in, mm-hmm. buy cameras and 360-degree equipment. And mm-hmm. so <laughs> it's a very expensive business to run. I think you know our outguns each year are probably somewhere in the region of about 180000 Um, So it's not, a, it's not a, a business you can just open up and kind of operate straight away unless you keep your overheads real low. Yeah, you know, I always say to people that the difficult thing when you open an estate agency is you could put a house on for sale today, you may not sell it for six months, and then the conveyancing can take another three. Mm-hmm. So realistically, I might put a house on today and not get paid for ten months. Whereas yeah. if you open up a corner shop or a general store, you yeah. go to the crash and carry this morning, you put your stuff on the shelves, you yeah. earn your money in that afternoon. You know, mm-hmm. it, yet for us, it's a big time delay. So anyone starting an agency needs to focus on. Rental properties first. It's it's nice, quick, quick cash. You know, um, you put a property on the market today, and it might let next week, and you get paid. So you've got yeah. uh, for anyone starting an agency, I can and only advise they must do sales as well as lettings. A lot mm-hmm. of agents I know who only do one or the other are struggling in this market because the thing that's keeping us going is we are actually still renting the empty properties, so okay. we still have a cash flow. Um, yeah. The sales sides really took a bit of a, a nosedive for the past six, seven weeks. The levels of interest have obviously improved in the last week or so. But, you know, if we were a sales-only office, I would be pretty worried right about now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it sounds like you've got a lot of lot of overheads there. I know that there's probably a lot of stuff that me and Joe aren't aware of and that we, we don't know yet as we, we get more and more involved in research, setting up the estate agents up ourselves. Um, that was one thing we were going to try and do is keep overheads down and try and try and maybe just work online, not have a physical, um, not have a physical store, mm. um, try and keep everything online. We were looking at just going on on the markets, but obviously we looked at what the um, the website views and how long people were spending on the websites and right move just trumps them all day, doesn't it? It's, um, yeah, there's there's a big crazy. campaign at the moment saying no to right move. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Now you know. Those guys are a little bit behind the curve. I'd like to think I was a little bit ahead of those. I came off right move about 16 months ago. Yeah. And I spent a period of about four months off. And we we seen a dent in the business. So, you know, I've went back with me tail between my legs as much as I'd like to save that £2,000 a month for 24000 a year. Mm. I think you've got to consider the clients. You know, everybody looks on right move first. That's the truth yeah. of it. As much as, you know, these agents are saying, pick the phone up, deal with your clients. That only affords you one extra member of staff, you know. Rightmove is a marketing tool in the same way that newspapers used to be and different things like that. So, unfortunately, I think at the moment it's a little bit of a necessary evil. Um, Any advice I can probably give to you is probably better just to partner up with a local agent. Save yourself the hassle of the HMRC, the client money protection, you know, you've got to remember as well, you've got rule by coming in the regulation of property agents. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to be sitting exams there. That's going to be a level three for any estate agent staff and a level four for directors. Now, the worry there is if you're not even qualified, they're not even going to be allowed to pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. So anybody yeah. starting in our business now, you know, staff who are already trained are going to come in a commodity because they're not going to have to spend 12 months where they can't really do anything. 
Yeah. So that, that's that the best advice it? I can probably give to you. It it hasn't been said. I think the co- the COVID virus has put that back. Um, they haven't said exactly when they're going to bring it in, but the, the talk is this year or next. So I don't think it's it's a million miles off at the moment. Yeah. How, how could we? So you've got to sit an exam. Did you mention? You mentioned then 12 months, so have you got to do a certain course, have you got to study for a certain amount of time to be able to sit the exam? Well, the thing is that they haven't even released the criteria of what they want you to do. So, yeah. so it's it's the government, I suppose, isn't it? They always do things mm-hmm. the wrong way around. They're told where they're going to regulate, but not how they're going to regulate you. Yeah. Yeah. But what's frustrating for me is, obviously, I'd done you know, a degree in estate management. That meant, you know, if I had got chartered as, as a surveyor, I would have been the same sort of level of qualification as an accountant or a, or a lawyer. Um, I'm actually going to have to sit that myself because my degree was pre a certain year. So, you know, mm. I've been in the business for 16 years now. I, I, I'm probably more qualified than any estate agent in Newcastle, but I'm going to have to go back and sit a, a qualification, which basically tells us how to answer a phone to a buyer and register yeah. details. <laughs> so it, it's a little bit mad that there's, there's, there hasn't really been any common sense uh, applied to it from what we've seen so far. Mm. And there's no real guidance in exactly which way it's going, but other than the level three and four qualifications. Yeah, we're doing actually something at the moment that was kind of an online course. Um, it's like that, it's like some sort of diploma. Um, apparently it's recognised anyways. It's um, it's good for you, I'm about halfway through it now. But um, there's a good few modules in it now, and it's all about like a state agency diploma. Who's that one with? Sorry? Who's that with? Uh, one Education. All right. I haven't heard of those. There's another one that my friend runs. is a company called Able Agent. That's quite a good one. Um, okay. Relatively cheap. allows people to get the education that they need. It's all online workbooks and videos and things. But yeah. they're saying anybody who's even offering this qualification, they're probably going to have to offer a top-up to get it to government yeah. regs yeah, when they sense. eventually set what those are. Definitely. So what's the, what's the plan in your own portfolio then? Um, just continue to grow it? Um, so kind of last, last 12, 18 months, I've stepped out of the agency now. I don't actually work within there. Um, yeah. I do source them, but not in the traditional sense where people have mailing lists. I work with, I think I maybe have about six or seven clients who I work more or less exclusively for. Um, two of those I've, I'm joint ventured with. Um, so I get to share the risks and the rewards and not just earn a fee. Um, so the plan for us is to keep going. Um, the strategy I'm using is buy, refurb, refinance. Um, that essentially for us, it's, it's just rinse, repeat, you know, let's get the money invested in it, get the value added with the refurbishment, get it refinanced. Um, so the good thing with that is because I used to run two of the local auction houses, I've got some good contact over there. So we do get a lot of heads up on things going to auction and where there's been reductions on motivated sellers. And this is a people business, so that's off the battle. Um, so the plan going forward is we're going to stick to doing buy, refurb, refinance. One of the biggest deals I've done, which you'll see a lot over my social media, is I bought a block of 10 apartments. Um, we paid 210000 for those for 10, which is pretty crazy. 21000 flat. <laughs> I think most people pay more for their cars these days. Yeah. Um, I think we'll refurb on that one. We're in at about 40000 at the moment. And the reval on that, um, which actually got cancelled because of the virus, is what we've put in for a reval of 400,000. So wow. if we can get that one out, that'll be the first time I've been able to do buy, refurb, refinance, but on a, a portfolio or an actual 
bigger than a single vanilla let. Um, yeah. So the plan is to, with one joint venture partner, we're going to look to repeat that, buy multiple units, add the same sort of value and refinance. And then the other portfolio, we're just picking up your single lets, local houses in good areas, um, and keep going. Long-term vision, I think the aim is to get into build to rent. I think mm. it's a quite a, my background actually started in commercial. That was where I first worked. So I think there's there's a lot of land to be had at the moment. I think yeah, yeah, big house builders are gonna be a little bit hesitant to be buying and building when they've all got a lot of stock to sell at the moment. Yeah. So the plan eventually is to pick up some land, um, put it out to tender, keep me out the refurbishment process because I'm project managing them all at the moment. Uh, put it out to tender to reputable builders and then get the refinance on build. Um, and then obviously retain those for the portfolio with no maintenance issues. They tend to command a bit of a premium on the rent as well. So I just think overall it's... It's a very slow, tedious process by refurb refinance if you're buying one property at a time. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking to kind of do that, but on a, a slightly bigger scale. So, you know, we're getting into fixed loans with investors where we're taking their finance at the moment. We're in talks with a couple now. So it's just to keep the wheels turning, really. I think, you know, a lot of people are going to press stop and not really look to jump into the market at the moment. But... I think it's a perfect time to be investing personally. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely going to be opportunities available. Definitely. We went out and viewed one today. And um, they're going to be putting putting an offer in on. After we get off this podcast, we're going to do a bit more bit more research, get everything yeah. lined up and put an offer in. I think there's definitely um there's definitely opportunities out there. Even the estate agent said was on the phone. There was a couple of low ball offers in before COVID, but since since the lockdown went in, they've had nothing. So they might be a bit more open to them lowball offers now. The estate agents even said that to us. So that we're keen to to find opportunities. I think they're out there. Like I think now is definitely going to be a time to move. I think there's going to be a lot of people who are scared to move as well. Um, I assume we just have to make sure there's enough margin in our deals um, and just prepare for a down valuation or maybe a, a lower loan to value. Yeah, no. Well, I've got three agents who work for me outside of the estate agency who do the sourcing side for me, they do nice. me viewings um, and we cover the five local auctions that go on. And we viewed, I think across February, we had about 200 lots that were viewed. So, you know, we went out, we've done all the viewings, we've done the, the deal analysis and we kind of shortlisted what we were going to look at. Hmm. And then all the actual auctions got canceled. Oh. <laughs> The, the the other side of that is so so we've went back a bit like yourselves and we've reviewed our pricing and put a couple of cheeky offers shall we say in this week mm. uh, I think we've put about five in, um, but it's going to be an interesting time for the market because what we find at Christmas is the property market kind of just grinds to a halt for two weeks, yeah. and everybody knows traditionally January is a busy time for the market. Um, mm. Well, we've had that for two months this time, so I think a lot of people are conscious that they all think they're going to get bargains when the market properly reopens mm. i think you might see the reverse i think investors are going to probably pay over the odds yeah a lot of these bounced back loans are going to find their way into property from looking across the forums yeah um, so i think people who weren't in the market to buy are now going to be but you've also in terms of the supply side you haven't been able to you know we're doing virtual valuations but we're not doing them to the same volume that we were doing the physical ones prior to closing. Yeah. So I think you, you've got a bit of a, or certainly in my area, there's an undersupply. 
I think when I looked yesterday, there was 17 properties come on the market in the last seven days within three miles of my office. That's normally 117. Is it? Yeah. So, it, you know, I think we're going to have a bit of a supply shortage short term while people yeah. do jump in and get back out viewing. But I think where we're probably going to see some values back at the end of the year, you're going to see a lot of probate or deceased estates coming to the market. You're going to have a lot of these people feeling the pinch in their jobs. You know, I think it was two. We sacked 3,000 people a few days ago. Bella Italia's yeah. went in administration. So all these companies are on a 90-day consultation if they want to lay staff off. So yeah. we're starting to see some of, the, some of that side of things take effect. And that'll no doubt transpire into houses on the market for sale, motivated sellers. Yeah, yeah. We, get a lot of, we get a lot of divorce properties come on the market in January as well. Um, and that's only two weeks together. So how are people going to cope with two weeks? <laughs> so I think it's going to be an interesting time. There's definitely going to be a lot more motivated sellers on there. I don't think people are just going to be testing the water. But in terms of stepping up the market, in terms of up the chain, buying a bigger house, I think that was the time to step up the chain, you know, if anybody's going to look to do it, because yeah. it's going to be the top end properties that are going to have the least amount of interest, I think. Yeah. the kind of stuff that us guys are all out there looking for. I think we might find short term there's a, a bit more competition than would what, what would perhaps like. I looked at the auction house northeast catalogue that went, I think it was two weeks ago, their auction. There was no physical viewings done and they sold 80% of their lots. What? It's pretty good oh. going for a concert. You know, the days of people buying properties blind have gone. You know, I don't see yeah. that very often. Maybe once or twice a year you might see it, but... 50 out of 70 lots have just had that happen two weeks ago. <laughs> I don't know. Somebody's got some money hidden under that mattress that they need to spend, I think, by the looks of it. <laughs> Definitely. No, it's just crazy, right? Like, just listen to that now. Like, it's, I was thinking the same thing as well. Like, that it's going to have that kind of initial kind of, you know, rush to property. Like, investors are kind of waiting, you know, to get started after COVID, after lockdown. And it's just, you might have that initial kind of push and then, like you said, like, you know, the, the lack of you know, stock at the moment. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it, how it plans out towards the end of the year. Definitely. Like. Yeah, I think, I think it's going to be, you know, I've done a market update video. I do one a quarter that I post to my social media. And I started the year very optimistic. I thought, you know, we've, we've, we've now felt the effects of Brexit in the property market. People are sick of hearing about it. Um, we had what people were calling the Boris bounce, where we had a lot of interest come the new year. You had the wages go up for the first time, a significant increase in wages just in April. That's the first increase in a long time. You've had things like the housing benefit or universal credit rates increase. You had interest rates at rock bottom. Savills were forecasting an increase of 17.6% in my area in the next four years. I just thought, God, this is a perfect time to be investing, isn't it? And to be growing a portfolio. And now I feel like I've got egg on my face because of this virus. <laughs> But I suppose it's, it's one of those things, this isn't going to be here forever. So I think I've known a couple of my friends have actually, I think, stupidly pulled out the purchases that the numbers really do stack up. And, yeah. and I'm saying, why are you pulling out? And you say, oh, this COVID, I'm really worried about an unemployment. I'm saying, but your intention is to keep this property for 35 years. Yeah. This is to create yeah. a cash flow for the rest of your life. And I'm I, I can't understand their thinking. And they were saying to me, because I had three purchases going through, are you going to renegotiate the prices? And I thought, well, 
it's I don't think it's ethical in the first place to go yeah. back and renegotiate when you've had surveys and you're a week or two away from completion because everybody else has made their decisions based on or financial decisions based on that price. And for me, it's about cash flow. You know, we don't buy anything to sell. You know, the way I look at it is probably prices have doubled more or less every 10 years for the last 50 to 60 years. So the portfolios that we're building, for me, that's more a legacy. I'm looking to leave that to my kids when I have them. I yeah. want it to still be there for my grandkids because they always say the rich get richer, but it's property and vehicles like that, given passive income, that's the only way that the rich do get richer. So I'd quite like a piece of that. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You got any more questions? You got any more like top top tips that you think you should be able to give us? Or any anything that um I just feel like sometimes you might be going in a bit blind with the whole estate agency business. I know you said maybe partner up with somebody else. How how would we maybe approach somebody like that? Another agent? How do we, we start to get that board uh, Well, I think the, the best is probably to find an independent a bit like myself because they're a bit more open-minded. You can't go to any countrywide agent because they just won't entertain you. Yeah. Um, but for an agency like myself, if guys like you approached me and said, you know, I'm going to have houses to sell, would you look to do some sort of fee split? Well, from my side, I don't feel like I would have that property to sell without you, so why wouldn't I? Mm-hmm. And essentially, you could be my competitor or you could essentially be an extension of my agency. So I think I'd rather have you on site than, than popping up in a shop next door to me and being my competition. So yeah, yeah, that's how I would probably pitch it. And I think from a, a compliance side, it'll make your life so much easier. Yeah. Mm. You know, the money laundering, the client money protection, the it, it, it's mad, you know, the, just the liability insurance and things like that. It, that's the side that a lot of people don't really appreciate and see the time and effort that goes into that. Mm-hmm. I think people think well, you just put a, an estate agency board outside and right move does the rest of the work, you know. It's, <laughs> unfortunately, it's not that simple. Or not the back end of the operation anyway. <laughs> um, so plan is to build up your portfolio going forward? Just keep buying and build up that legacy? Yeah, so I've had a bit of time to, to reassess my goals as well with what being off and sit down and kind of say, where do I want to be? And I think for me, I'd like to, the, the initial aim was to build 50 of my own properties within three years, yeah. which I appreciate quite a, an ambitious target. But based on my share of the 22 that we own already, nine of those are mine. So that's not bad for your first year, I don't think. And yeah, yeah. the good thing is with the properties that we've bought, we've managed to refinance and actually pull all of our money out. I know you see some deals posted where there's maybe five, 10, 15 K left in them. Yeah. We actually done a deal where we purchased it for 56,000 and spent two K on it. Um, probably utilizing or leveraging me estate agency experience. We give the yeah. current tenant two months rent free. Well, for me, my interest only mortgage and that was 150 pound a month. Yeah. But the tenant felt like I was giving him £1,200 discount. And yeah. he spent that £1,200 on the house. And oh, it really man. valued at £100,000. Wow. So I think it worked out. We got something like £16,000 more than we initially put in at day one. And I was like, this is all the benefits of a flip. But I've got the cash flow forever now. Yeah. yeah. 25% equity in it. What's not to like with that? And that's why oh, I can't understand why people flip stuff, really. Um, I see a lot of people doing it to build that pot when, when it's early days, but yeah. you can 
20, 30K here or there, but why wouldn't you rather make three, four, five thousand pounds a year as long as you own the property? Mm, yeah. um, and you know, if you want to start deleveraging over time, then do so. That's one of the things I quite like to talk about. I don't think people understand the, the risk or mm. the gear inside a property. Yeah. Um, mm. You've seen it obviously back when Northern Rock went bust. Yeah. They brought in things like interest cover at 1.25%. Um, there's a lot of people 100% mortgaged up. Um, mm. I'm fortunate that at the end of year one for us, we were at 65% loan to value. Right. So we were pretty, uh, pretty, pretty well protected, obviously, for this coming. Mm. But there's scope to remortgage to pull more money out when we need it. But yeah. the end for me in the three years is ideally to be sitting somewhere around the 50, 60% loan to value. Yeah. And then I think I've essentially got a portfolio that is as risk-free as you can get a portfolio. Um, mm. And I know a lot of people are like, right, just refinance it, get as much as you can out, go again. And it's, yes. it's risky. But you've got to balance the risk with the reward. And, you know, as much as I'd like to be 80% loan to value and benefit from the market increasing when you look at the, the difference in the, the uplifts, I think you've got to have a, a bit of a common sense approach to this and, you know, I ended that property at the time when the market was on its backside, and that's when I was in university. So I learned all about why the global collapse of the finance industry happened. Mm. I've seen people who had portfolios of 100 properties through the agency I was working for who had different sports cars for each day in, in kids in private school. Mm. I've seen those same guys getting the bus into town now. They, they, sure. they, they've literally wow. lost everything because they were so leveraged up in... Hmm. I'm quite fortunate that I came into property when I did because I think if I hadn't seen people like that and hmm. watched their fall from grace, hmm. I don't think I would have protected myself as well as I have. So, you oh. know, as much as this is a, a bit of a nightmare, I think it's also potentially a perfect storm for for people in my position who are busy trying to grow their portfolios. Yeah, as we get started, we're looking at... Um, so the ones we've got already with the 25% that's how much equity we've got um, and they're on interest only so we've, we've spoke about this and yeah. said that we would do interest only for the cash flow at the start now are we being silly by doing that and should we just get them on repayment mortgages and just well I tell you I'll I, I tell you what I've done that's a little bit differently to most people there's two ways I think people invest in property and it's either for cash flow or capital appreciation or a balance of the two I don't think you need to pick one or the other. You know, mm. Grant Cardone says buy the best house in the best street you can afford if it's just something for 20 years down the line. Um, the biggest mistake you see investors making is buying the cheapest, highest cash flow and properties in higher risk areas. You know, yeah. I always see people trying to source and sell deals in County Durham, not far from me. Houses for £20,000 that yield 22%. But what they don't understand is you're never going to get that rent half the time. So yeah. one of the things that I've done is I've balanced the capital appreciation side of things with the cash flow. And I've also balanced interest only with some repayments now. Yeah. And I see you say on the forums all the time, can you get finance for properties below 50,000? You see it on the forums every other day. And everybody generally says no, but... You can, you pay a slightly higher rate, but you go down the commercial lending route with your bank. Um, so we've got any properties that we buy below 50K. Again, we don't buy where they're that cheap, by the way. It's, you know, they're in slightly, but they're in better areas than those. We buy those on repayments. So we are, I think across the, the 12, I've got one portfolio. 
we've got four of those on capital repayments. And because the yields are so high, we are still benefiting from maybe 100 to 200 pound cash flow on it. But we're also chipping away at that amount that we owe. Now, there's yeah. going to come a point where we will refinance those and, you know, to build and to go again. But they're our bottom end cash flow properties, whereas we've bought one or two, which are maybe 130, 140,000, where, you know, 10 years ago, they could have been 240,000. They're in really mm. decent areas where the yields are maybe five, six, seven percent. Whereas across our actual portfolio, our yields are around about 11 percent. Right. So we're sitting with a pretty yield, but I just think it's not all about one or the other. You've got to have a bit of a common sense approach. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I've come across an investor recently that his aim was to jump out of property because he was due to have a kid in the next six months. And he's put all his eggs in one basket. He's bought 13 properties in one area. And I just think if, if something was to happen in that area, yeah, or, you know, unemployment, the local the local big employer closes or something along those lines. The net effect of that on your actual portfolio is massive. And I tried yeah. talking around and saying, look, what you've invested in purely flat in NE29 or whatever it was. Why don't you buy a couple of houses at the very least or buy a couple three mile away and mm. you risk yourself a little bit. And if you just couldn't get it through. And I just think, he hasn't educated himself on the risk side of things. And whereas he might have a great cash flow at the moment, mm-hmm. if one of his properties or the areas get hit, then all of his properties are going to be hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mine are geographically spread out. If you went between my two furthest away properties, you're probably talking 20 miles. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where they risk, we've got everything from one bed flats up to three bed semis, four bed semis. And we've got a variation of areas. So, and it's just about protecting yourself, you know. I would yeah. hate for something to happen in one of those areas and me to think, God, I wish I hadn't bought so many in one area. Yeah. Because now it doesn't matter what happens in each of my areas, the other 11 will pick up the slack that that one loses. Hmm. Yeah, yeah so, that makes sense, definitely. Like, I see a lot of people like um, that are new in the industry. <clears throat> a lot of them are kind of just wanting to go fast and go fast, but they haven't been through, you know, the, the market cycles of, you know, 2008, 2007, 2008. And seeing the kind of the damage that caused, um, but then anyone that we've spoken to who who've been through that, who, you know, experienced the kind of the booms and the busts, the different market cycles, you know, they're all saying the same thing. Like it's just, you know, be careful. Like don't don't over leverage yourself. Don't gear yourself mm-hmm. up too much, um, because because mm-hmm. that's where problems occur. Um, we've heard of that as well. Like people over leveraging and and literally, if if the interest rates rise by even like what one one and a half percent, they're they're they pretty much. Yeah, do you know, um, I even I even considered capitalising on what I think is going to happen in the market, because like I say that when I said about the Christmas side of things, where the market goes mad in January, I honestly think we're going to see that when yeah. when obviously things start back up. I even contemplated selling two or three of mine just to maybe double the pot that I had, yeah. because and then jump back in end of the year when I think things will be a little bit darker in the property industry. I don't think there'll be as much confidence because we will start seeing, you know, I think universal credit, the number of applications was 2 million applications in the last month. It's crazy. But the token unemployment could get up to 4 million people. That'll be the highest level of unemployment we've ever seen. You're seeing in the news today about interest rates, the Mm. government bonds on a negative, a negative interest rate. 
why would anybody invest on a government bond where they're going to lose money over three yeah. years? <laughs> it's absolute yeah. madness. But we're one of, I think, only three countries in the world now that aren't on negative interest rates. So it's certainly something to think about, you know. The fact that the government's chucking £50,000 at every business there on a self-certification basis. There was a reason to stop self-certification mortgages and why they call them liars mortgages. It's the same thing now with the businesses and the loans. They were talking about just putting a zero on the end of everybody's bank account in the country. They're not actually printing this money. It's all fictitious. And I think when money's becoming so cheap and easily available, yeah. things are going to be pretty bad i think in six months time but yeah. for an agent like myself who's looking to buy from motivated sellers and who benefits from selling properties in an auction it's probably going to be a good thing for me but unfortunately it's going to be these guys who are losing their jobs and things who are going to struggle mm. yeah. yeah so it's so going to be strange times i think yeah be interesting to see what happens definitely very mm. interesting well i was looking at it there was one study came out that said the market was forecast to drop by 3% this year and to bounce back by 5 next year. I'd be surprised if we're sitting 2% higher in prices at this point next year than what we're already doing. Uh, yeah. Very mm-hmm. surprised. But there's been a massive lag in transactions. I think mm. we're expecting 1.2 million transactions of houses to sell this year. And they reckon that's going to sit at about 700,000 by the end of the year. But I think that's because of this pause in the industry. We haven't had anybody pull out a purchase in a property yet through the agency. Yeah, if yeah. anything, they're more keen to just get in because these people are buying it for their kids to go to the local school. They're not yeah. buying it on the investment side like we are. So, and again, I think sometimes where you're seeing people buy stuff to flip, I think you're going to see people change that change mm-hmm. business model and maybe adapt to this. Or if they don't adapt, I think they'll just disappear out of the business. Yeah. Yes, yeah, really. I mean. yeah, like we look at a lot of things as well, like you know, um, with markets and things like that. Like uh, Ray Dalio was saying as well, just touching back on your point there, when the government were kind of printing loads of money, you know, it's looking like if they're they're what airdropping money, it's likely there's going to be something big happening. You know, it's like the last stitch effort of kind of trying to avoid a recession and try to get the economy going. Mm-hmm. You know, and and lower in interest rates as well as another one, and then um, yeah. yeah, just sort of things like that. It's just all these little things. Like the next thing then is just like what. You know, raised. You know, the money has to be paid somehow, so the taxpayer is going to have to back it at some point. Well, yeah. that's it. But I suppose it's it's that thing with the sort of time we find ourselves in. There's going to be a lot of opportunities. Yeah. Um, I spent a day last week writing a list of 86 local estate agents with the aim to buy them out, <laughs> yeah. buy their management books, because a lot of these guys are, you know, they're in their sixties, they're in their seventies, nothing. They can't be bothered with a regulation of agents, sitting qualifications at their age, and mm. you know they felt the effects of this and thing. And is it worth even? You know, a lot of you guys have said it yourself. You're looking at opening an online agency. There's a place for it, but obviously the high streets also struggling a bit as well. So a lot of these mm. guys are looking to get out of the business. So mm. it's a bit like what we do when we look for motivated sellers who have houses. Yeah. I'm doing the same, but for people who have letting agencies. So. If any of you want to sell who are out there in the office, uh, <laughs> give us a shout. I've got the money waiting. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, anything else? No, no, that's been great, Tony. Yeah. It'd, be, uh, it'd be great to have you back on one time again in the near future as well. Yeah, no, more than happy to, lads. So. Perfect. Where can people reach out to get in contact with you? So I'm on the usual Facebook or LinkedIn, Anthony Fairs, or hit up me agency, Fairs Estates. Um, 
look forward to talking to anybody who gets in touch. Perfect. Excellent. Thanks very much. Thank you. All the best, lads. Thank you. See you later. Bye. We talk about property, business, and everything in between. Hosted by Jack Heskin Taylor and Joe McCarthy. Sharing the stories of entrepreneurs, property investors, and our journey to health, wealth, and happiness. 